Welcome back to the 411 Podcasting Network. I am your host, Larry Zonka, and this is episode 13 of the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course the 411 website. Please make sure to subscribe and follow the show and share us around on social media if you have the chance. Today, I am happy to welcome back my good friend, Stephen Jefferson Cook, who's been away on a little hiatus due to work. Steve, how are you? Oh, how's it going, Lerald? Just hanging in there. Living the dream, as the people say. That's right. Gotta do what you gotta do, man. Gotta make the money. That's right. Money, money, yeah, yeah. And let's face it, I mean, when you enter the post-WrestleMania lull, it's as good as time as any to start making that money. Yeah, that is true. That is true. You gotta, gotta do what you can. Yep. I mean, I know some people would say, oh, it's not a law. We got all kinds of fun stuff going on. People jumping rosters and jumping ship and jumping companies and all kinds of all kinds of changes in the wrestling world, Larry Zonka, I guess we could say. Lots of things changing, including some things that, frankly, I thought would never change. It. It's some, I mean, it seemed like there was a certain individual in the world of wrestling that's going to have his job forever at this point. And I think you know who I'm talking about. You are correct, Steve Cook. We are, you are alluding to the lizard man known as Delirious in Ring of Honor, yes, who sir. is the head booker. And, um, you know, the, the lizard man has been uh, a target of attack over the last few years. He's, he's not been a very good booker. We've, people have asked for change. We've hoped for change. And unfortunately, you have to be careful what you wish for because it looks like it got worse. Because Bully Ray and reportedly Joey Matthews are gaining power in Ring of Honor. And, well, Bully Ray has brought, he's bringing in a reboot of the beautiful people. Yes. And he's looking to bring in Enzo and Cass because, (laughs) quote unquote, ROH needs attention. Now, listen. (laughs) I'm not going to say he's wrong in the fact that they need attention because their buzz level is down following the departure of Cody and Adam Page and the Young Bucks. But, number one, reaching back to a TNA gimmick that was relatively successful years ago just to get your girlfriend a job, not the best idea. Plus the fact that, like, you know, Madison Rain suggested it before she left, was told no, and then they did it anyway. Well, and uh, then you're going to bring in Enzo and Big Castle. XL. I cast XL, isn't it? I have no yeah, fucking... I, I refuse to call them whatever <laughs> whatever mentally challenged Xbox gamer titles they want to go by. <laughs> I just... I'm not going to do it. I just... I can't. I get you. But yeah, it's, I don't know. And the, I don't know. There's kind of, I saw there was some reports that there's, I don't know, that he's trying to bring them in. But then I saw a report today that there's a chance that they may not be coming in at all and they may be done already. And they it never was one of those situations where you put the feeler out there. Yeah, you know how it is sometimes with these sporting teams, these franchises, they'll put an idea out there. They'll be like, well, we're thinking of bringing this guy. They'll put the news out there, and they'll see what the fans think. 
And ROH puts out put out there like, oh, we're gonna bring in Enzo and Cass. And they saw our fans being like, no, 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 no. And maybe that's what happened there. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe maybe it isn't, but I'm, I'm just thinking for a second, maybe that's what happened there. Because you see I it happen all the time in world sports. I kind of doubt that's what happened. I just think... Um, I might be giving too much credit. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of think you are. I, I think it's just they got... I think that they pulled an old school TNA to where they shot the angle first. And then they didn't have anything locked in. Also crapping all over their whole tag team angle they're doing out there. And New Japan wasn't too happy about that either. And yeah. uh, I'm sure you, I know you saw the uh, post-match promo from, uh, <laughs> from the winners there. That's fantastic. Just completely burying ROH in the belts. Like, who gives a shit? I think the funniest thing was like, is like late, later on, it's like, Yano, his like, you know, he steals the belts after the match. And then, like, when they're back in New Japan and they're setting up Yano and Makabe to challenge the Grills of Destiny, he keeps stealing the the belts, but he never steals the ROH belts. No, he doesn't. No. <laughs> no, he doesn't give a shit about that. They're, they're throwing the belt across the room. Who gives a shit about the ROH belts? They stole the New Japan belts, by God. Oh, well, that partnership probably can't end soon enough for somebody. Am I right? <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like, you know, that that Madison Square Garden show, it's like, if it was just the New Japan matches and the New Japan versus ROH matches, that's like a show of the year contender. But if then you add in... All the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, then you add in, like, Mayu Iwatani versus Kelly Klein for the third time this year, which was no good. And... You know, the ladder match, which was good, but eh. Like, the best thing, like, ROH did all night was the Roosh defeating Dalton Castle on 20 seconds gimmick. Yeah, poor Dalton Castle. But that's what had to happen there. That that poor guy's about, uh, he's on his last leg, literally, I think. Yeah. He's so, boys. But a quick backtrack to the mass and rain point. I just want to backtrack because I, I heard a different story on that, slightly different. That Madison Rain, she, she pitches the idea for beautiful people to come back, right? But then I guess Delirious decides that, well, that's cool, but how about we have them turn against you? And we'll put Mandy Leon in there because, well, I mean, we, don't, we know how Delirious wants to put Mandy Leon there. We all know that, right? Oh, that's, yeah. Well, that's not exactly a secret or nothing. <laughs> that was Delirious's big idea. Have them uh, join with Mandy and turn on Mass, and Mass was like, ah, oh, peace out, is what I heard happen there. Yeah, and that's again, dude. That's why that's why you can't have your head booker dating talent. And they're yeah. gonna switch to another head booker that's uh, doing the same thing. <laughs> uh, I'm still I, trying to figure out how the BJ Whitmer Kelly Klein thing works. I I don't. I'm I'm confused. Well, I need a scorecard to keep track. Well, of Whitmer's gone. Yeah, I know he's gone. He's with. Uh, he's doing whatever for AEW, I guess. Yeah. So it's but yeah, it's um. I, I don't know, man. It's like, it just seems like, you know, it's like that dating in the workplace thing. That's why a lot of places don't let you date in the workplace. But the, it, like in wrestling, it's like, it just comes off as such a bad idea because it's like, okay, there's all these other women. And then if they're not getting pushed, I mean, yep. they can claim preferential treatment. And like, 
let's face it, Mandy Leone, pretty girl, horrible wrestler. She's not good at all. Seems so. So, yeah, I just, I didn't think it would get worse than the Lizard Man, but, um, it unfortunately has. And also, I mean, let's, uh, you know, the big advantage that Bully Ray has over Delirious as well is the fact that he was a WWE guy. He was with the ECW, he's with WWE, he's, uh, I mean, with TNA or whatever. That's got to carry a lot more credibility with Joe Coffin with the Sinclair, uh, the wonderful people at Sinclair Broadcasting. It's got to carry more weight with them than it does Delirious's uh, experience in IWA Mid-South and Chikara and where the hell ever else he wrestled. Yeah, it's... Uh... You don't have Mark out of that stuff. Oh, no, I don't know. You're, you're absolutely right. It's just... Uh, I, I, I think what's, what annoys me the most is that, like, you had a company that was picking up momentum over the past couple of years, selling more tickets, selling more pay-per-views, and you know you lose the Bucks and Cody and Page, and that's going to hurt. And then your answer is what everybody tries to do to some degree and always fails. Let's go back to the Attitude Era. <laughs> And let's be WWE light. It's, it's amazing that, I mean, bringing in Enzo and Cass and bringing back the beautiful people, I, I thought it was a freaking TNA show. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. what they did for years and years and years. And now, now that's Ring of Honor. They're TNA. They're yeah, more TNA just... than Impact Wrestling is. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. I mean, it's just... It, it, it's just horribly frustrating, to be honest, man. I just, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, apparently Bully Ray in charge. And then, like, apparently one of the other things is, is, like, there's a there's a lot of discord backstage and, like, people pissed at the people that helped produce All In because they're, like, yeah, the feeling yeah. is that, like, the people that helped produce All In basically showed Cody and the Bucks how to be successful promoters. And, well, I mean... I guess I'd be pissed too if I couldn't sell ten thousand seats on my own. That's right, but uh, that I think that's kind of selling Cody and Bucks is a little bit short, to be honest with you, because they're the they're kind of the guys that got themselves over, are, are they not? They are I'm wrong there. I'm, okay, I thought they kind of got themselves over, and it seemed like the Ring of Honor was content to coast off of their success for quite a while to use those guys as the main draws. Whenever they could come in. I mean, th- that's been a thing for them the last couple of years that they've benefited off of uh, those guys and also, the, you know, the other New Japan guys come in when they do. And they always pre- present a bump up in the ticket sales and all that. And it seems like the weakness uh, of the Lizard Man's booking is that he hasn't really built anybody else besides those guys. And once the, and once the English-speaking guys leave to do their own thing and you're just relying on New Japan guys, you, you ain't got much. You just ain't got much. Yeah, and that, that that's actually very accurate, too. And the thing is, too, is it's not like... And they're not even getting a lot of New Japan people in because it's like they're going to do the tour here in May, but, you know, like, Juice is working there more. Zack Sabre's working a little bit. But it's like they're not getting, like, a ton of the New Japan guys in regularly. They got so, their own stuff to do, too. Yeah. Yeah. So you lose Cody in the box. Who and Paige, who were, yeah, they were heavily relied on. And it's just, 
it's totally different feel. And they and I even wrote about how they over relied on them, and it's just you know people had talked about it and they're like, oh no no no, it'll be fine if they leave, and it wasn't really fine. I mean they had to you know they had to bring in a lot of talent to try to to try to you know recover from that. You know they brought in PCO and Brody King, Bandito, Tracy Williams. Mark Haskins, those are all great guys, you know, and then you're using juice and stuff like that. And they were going to use David Finley a lot until he ripped up his shoulder. So yeah, it's like you had to bring in a lot to try to replace that. And it's just, it's not going to fix itself overnight. And then to your other point, yeah, the lizard man really hasn't done a good job of building stars. Remember when they left, when Cody and the Bucks left, and I believe that the people that they put over on their way out were uh, Jay Lethal and the Briscoes. Guys, you don't exactly need it. <laughs> yeah. And also, guys, who I don't... I think we've kind of reached the ceiling with Jay Lethal and the Briscoes as far as like uh, fans and uh, new things they can do. Am I, am I wrong there? I mean, it, it's starting to feel like that. I mean, they're obviously still great, but... Yeah, it's like, what are you going to do right now? Like, like right now, Lethal's tagging with Gresham, which is really good. They're a good team, and they're going to challenge for the tag title soon. And, I like, a Jay Lethal tag tag run would be really good, actually. You know, get them away from the world title and stuff yeah. for a while. But, uh, yeah, then you got, like, I'm Matt Taven as world <laughs> champion. It's like, uh... Not ideal. CMLL seems to love him. I guess he's big in Mexico. Yeah, I mean, and he... He like okay, Taven's a good heel. Like he actually does really good things as a heel, and he's far from a bad wrestler. But it's just, I don't know. I sit there and I watch stuff, and I try to get into these matches, and like I have never seen him as a main event guy. Like he just doesn't click or deliver, and I'm just sitting there like, you know, I'm waiting for it to happen, you know. Main eventers aren't born overnight, but sometimes I'm just, I sit there and I, I look at Matt Taven. I have no idea what they see in him other than a guy that's not going anywhere. Well, that's not the worst thing. <laughs> it's not the so, worst thing to have. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about, uh, the AEW or, or Cody and the Bucks specifically and leaving an AEW and, you know, an interesting thing that happened this week is the 411 uh, interview podcast spoke with a gentleman from The Wrap and caused a little bit of waves. Uh, he was talking about, you know, his sources in the industry and that um, it sounded like to him that if they were going to end up on Turner, that it may be a pay-for-time deal. Now, these reports were refuted by... Dave Meltzer, Voices of Wrestling, and a couple other places. But again, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to keep an open mind about it because sure, this sure. is a guy in the TV industry, and I mean, he could have shitty, you know, he might have just gotten a bad source, but he also may be right. He so, also doesn't uh, have a personal connection with uh, with some of the AEW folks, like some other people might. I'm, I'm not throwing any, I'm not throwing any shade here. No, I mean, it's kind no, of it's, fact. It's well known that some of the point. fellas, some of the main uh, wrestling writers do are friends with Cody and with the Bucks. It's not a secret. Yeah, I'm and not that's dropping a, new knowledge on you. No, and that's a perfectly fair point, Steve. And I appreciate that. But yeah, it's like, 
you know, again, like, and my other point too is this is a guy with TV sources. He does it for a living. Now, everybody gets bad info from time to time. Yep. But if he's right, it's obviously not a good thing. But I'll tell you what, absolutely, it didn't shock me. But I guess it kind of upset me was the fact that all we hear is people, you know, dumping on WWE or talking about how they want competition or they just want an alternative. They want something else. And so this news comes out that it could be a time buy. And then all of a sudden, it's open season (laughs) that AEW is just a t-shirt company. They're a bunch of shit. You know, they all suck. They're not going to make any money. And it's doomed from the beginning. So what do you what do you make about this reaction, Steve? Uh, it's it's typical. I, I think it's typical for most of the uh, most of the wrestling fan base, unfortunately. Um, as far as it being as far as speculation, if it is a time buy, if it is, I'm not going to get all mad at the Khan family for, for spending money, because sometimes you have to spend money, make money, and it's pro- it's got to be tough uh, out there to get a good TV deal for a wrestling company. How long's TNA Impact Wrestling been trying to get a good TV deal? Uh, years. Exactly. <laughs> they're on freaking Pursuit Channel now. Are they still on Pursuit? Is that what's going on? Yeah, they're on Pursuits and Ten Twitch. o'clock on a Friday. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, so as well as WWE is doing, as well as the indie scene is doing, it's still tough out there in the TV world get a good time slot, get a good network. So if they're gonna, if the cons want to spend the money to get the good time slot, I'm not going to get all hot and bothered about it. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they're doomed to failure. Oh, it's going to be the worst thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. It's, it's tough to be competition in Vince McMahon. It just is. There's a reason why the WWE is number one. There's a reason they're indestructible and all that stuff. It's, it's not, it was never going to be easy for these guys. They know that. I don't think Cody or the Bucks or Con or anybody thought, oh, this could be really easy. It's tough. They're going to have to do some things, make some stuff happen, and it's not going to be perfect. But uh, I, I don't understand why fans, you know, I, and Larry, you and I having watched, you know, back in the day, we'll go back to TNA, where you watch TNA. We, we're one of the few TNA defenders on the website back in the day because everybody talked about how they won an alternative to WWE, and then TNA tries stuff, and it's like, oh, well, now they're doomed to failure. I don't, I'm not sure what the internet fans would consider to be a perfect competition of Vince McMahon. I don't know. I'm out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't get it. I, I was just more disappointed, I guess. It's just because all I, I, I read these comments like in my Raw reviews and everybody talks about how they hate Raw and Raw sucks and that, you know, SmackDown's okay, but, you know, they just, they seem so upset and they want. They want something else. And then it's like, well, are you watching Impact? No, I don't. Fuck Impact. I don't want to watch it. Okay, are you watching Ring of Honor? No. I I, I love the excuse for Ring of Honor. I don't (laughs) even know when it airs. Well, it's free on their website and Flight TV every week. So you can watch it there. Also, local Sinclair station. Yeah. So it's like there's really no excuse. And then it's like, do you watch, you know, do you watch CMLL? I don't speak Spanish. Do you watch New Japan? No, I don't fucking speak Japanese. Well, then you're not really trying, are you? Yeah, Kelly's not Japanese. 
Exactly. <laughs> but the thing is, is like you're really not trying that hard if you're not watching something else. If you're that upset these yep, days, yep. because there is so many streaming services and there are so much free stuff out there that is much, honestly. Yeah. But the thing is, is like, and even I know people that don't like the WWE main product, but they like 205 Live, NXT, NXT sure, UK. Sure. So, I mean, there's even WWE in a way is giving you an alternative. Yep. So, but the thing is, if you're not looking and you're not watching something else and you're that upset, you're really not trying. And if you're shitting all over the AEW thing, I think you have a horribly small look at the whole, just the whole business because. And again, I hate to use the word competition because even if they develop into competition, it's really not. It's it's an alternative. It's something else. It would and take it's a important. long, long time for the actual yes. competition. And it's more importantly a chance for the good brothers and sisters in the business to have somewhere else to work and make money. And the money thing, if you look at it, has... The AEW thing has been really good for a couple reasons right now because there are people that are under contract and making money with them right now that aren't even working. So that's okay because they're resting up and making money. But the other thing is it's been an effect on WWE because WWE has been paying people more to stay. So AJ Styles got a little bump up of pay in his contract, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but then you look at the guys like, you know, they're trying to keep Gallows and Anderson, and they offered them even more money, and they weren't even using them. <laughs> they're not. They're still not. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, so it's like, I, I just, I don't understand how you look at it as a bad thing. And like you said, even if it might start as a time buy, you have to look at it this way in TV. There are a ton of fringe sports and things like boxing who have started on time buys over the last yep. few years. And have developed into TV deals. Yeah, boxing's got some big stuff going on now. So, and I personally, I I don't think that it will be a time buy. Because I just, I would like to think that 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 whole brain trust and everything working for it would be smart enough not to go down that hole and lose a bunch of money. Plus, to be honest with you, you know, Jim Ross and Chris Jericho have heavily talked about it. Like the TV deal is big and stuff. And yeah, it's a carny business. It's a worker's business. But I also think that, you know, a guy like Jericho is heavily invested in this right now. Don't generally think he just overhype it for no reason, you know? Yeah. And same with JR. I mean, and JR is the kind of guy uh, who will, if he doesn't like something, he'll tell you. Like when he was talking about the three-man booth he's going to be part of. And he, he comes around and tells you, uh, I'm not a big fan of it, but we're going to try and see how it works out. So if yeah. JR thought this TV deal was a crock of crap, he'd tell you, I think. I think so, too. So, I mean, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. And again, I mean, uh, the rumor right now is, you know, they're going to start October. Uh, supposed to be a two-hour show, likely Tuesday night, because then SmackDown is moving to Friday. Tuesday night dynamite! Yeah. And uh, I hope Impact is, uh, I mean, even though they're on 10, I if they can, I know they're looking for a different deal. If I'm them, I'd try to move to Thursday, because there's nothing on Thursday right now. 
But then again, there might be something to being like on after SmackDown, and you know, if you got the Twitch deal, you know, you got the. I don't know, it might be worth being a post show. But here's my thing when it comes to people with people crapping on the AEW as far as all that goes. Kind of my policy on this whole thing. I want to wait until I actually have a show before I start crapping on it. You know what I'm saying? Wait until yeah. they put a product out. You know, let me watch a show. Let me see what they have to offer. And if I don't like it, then I'll say so. Until then, why why am I going to waste my time telling you, like, oh, it's going to be a shitty show? Yeah. Watch and the show a... first is what I, my take. Yeah, put on a show. That's my whole thing with them with the, the drug policy, wellness policy, all that stuff. My take on it is just all, let them do a show first. <laughs> yeah, and that's like, I'm looking at it as like, because people always are like, I wish you'd talk more about it and break it down. It's like, What's there's not down? a lot to break down right now. It's like, we can talk about who they signed and stuff, the announcers and shit like that. But it's like, outside of that, there's not a whole lot to talk about. We can talk about potential. We can talk about what I hope they can be. But yeah, it's like, we just, you know, we'll see what happens. You know, we got double or nothing coming up and they got some shows this summer and, you know, we'll start seeing how the products uh, is looking and, you know, again, who they're going to use and everything and how it comes off and, Again, I, I hope it comes off really well. I'm I'm pulling for them because, you know, Steve, again, we remember a time to where, you know, we had WWE, WCW, ECW, all rolling at once. Yep, yep. And even before then, other companies, and it's like, I just, I think it's nothing but good for wrestling as a whole. If we get some fresh blood in there and we get another alternative. Because, again, I think it's – I like having choices, and I think it's good for fans to have the choices, and more importantly, the wrestlers to have the choices. That's right. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm not WWE's biggest defender a lot of times because I don't enjoy a lot of what they do, and I think it's a lot of it's short-sighted and not well thought out. But it's not horrible all the time, and I, I enjoy NXT, NXT UK, and 205 Live. I think SmackDown is good most weeks. I could just do without Raw and Baron Corbin and stuff like that. So. We could all do without. Uh, well, I can't say we. I can't say we could all do without Baron Corbin because somebody out there will tell me that Baron Corbin is worth uh, something. I keep hearing that. But he has I don't defenders find. out there. I swear to God, I think that they're out there. I know they're. There. It's, it's, they're tough to find, but uh, you know, they're out there. It's scary. So. You know, speaking of WWE and stuff, uh, interesting note, uh, Dolph Ziggler last wrestled at the Royal Rumble. Ah, uh, yes, that's true. He was in the yeah, Rumble. there's a, he's talked about for the last year or so that he would like time away because he feels his, you know, his character needs it and that it's he stale does. and everything and he, he's don't disagree enough. with him at all. But, uh, here's the thing. Did, you know, we went through WrestleMania season and everything. Did you miss Dolph Ziggler at all, Steve? Absolutely not. Uh, was I supposed to give a longer answer than that? <laughs> no, it was I, just... I, you know, I mean, that was one of those classic answers where you set me up for a long time. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I did not miss Dolph Ziggler at all. I've been, I have been ranting about Dolph Ziggler for years. For I've been tired of Dolph Ziggler for years now, honestly. 
I'm trying to think when the last time I was interested in Dolph Ziggler was. I think God. the last time I was interested in him was when he had the IC title feud with Miz. No, I wasn't even interested in that, to be honest with you. <laughs> we gotta go further back than that, I think. Damn. Yeah, I know. I just was not a Dolph Ziggler guy. I just, I mean, the guy, uh, he had talent. He was very good selling. I mean, a guy's very good selling. My disconnect with Ziggler always was he, he would sell like a million bucks, but what can he come back with? The zigzag? Oh, what do you do? You know? The fame master? Since he looked like Billy Gunn? I don't know. I was just not really impressed with the guy's offense, I guess is what I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, uh, not going to lie. I just, um, I was I was, I was, was on Twitter and somebody mentioned something about Dolph and I was like, man, where the fuck has he been? He's still alive. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I looked up on Cage Match and was like, fuck, he hadn't been around since the Rumble. I was like, and it feels even longer for me because I was in the hospital during that. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I didn't even think about him during, uh, like, I think I thought about him during Mania. Like, is he gonna pop up in the Andre? And then he didn't. <laughs> Everybody else. Then, did. then I stopped thinking about even him. Even so. freaking Luke Harper was in the Andre. That's right. Get to that later. But uh, yeah. I mean, I'm. Uh, honestly, yeah, I'm with you. I, I really don't miss the guy. And again, this isn't that I think he's bad or anything. It's Nothing just like, personal. No, it's just it's, it, he needs time away. And honestly, he needs a he needs a fucking full reboot when he comes back. He needs a new look. He needs to work something different style-wise because he, he is right. He got really stale. And like, the, don't, don't get me wrong, it's not all his fault. They booked him like shit most of the time. Yes, they did. And uh, they booked him into the ground, and he wasn't wasn't a viable anything because he came off like such a big loser. So yeah, I mean, if they're willing to give him the time off, and you know he's doing comedy shows and he can relax and heal up because he's worked hard over the years, no doubt. But let the guy heal up, and then we just do something different with him. I don't want him to come back. I don't want to hear about being the show off. <laughs> I don't want to fucking sit there and listen to him talk about how he thinks he's like the best in the company because it's like, even if you're a character talking like that, you're not, you're just not just be something different. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know what, I don't know what it is, you know I mean? Cause part of that has to be him. He needs to embrace that, but he's the one that wanted the time off. He's the one who wanted a chance to get away so people can, kind of forget what he was, but you can't just come back as the same dude then. He needs a complete reinvention, much like uh, to get back on Cody Rhodes for a second, because we haven't talked about Cody Rhodes enough. Um, Cody Rhodes was a master of this in, during his time in WWE. He, would, uh, he had a few different personas. He was the he was the dashing Cody Rhodes. Then he got his face broken and became the undashing Cody Rhodes. He eventually became Stardust, but he's always yeah. trying to do something different. Don't forget mustache Cody Rhodes. Yeah, mustache Cody Rhodes also <laughs> very important. Part of the road, the road that's a road scholars time period, right? I believe so. Yeah, with Damian Sandow. But uh, yeah, I mean, a guy who constantly tried to reinvent himself, try to keep himself fresh, and uh, yeah, Dolph Ziggler has never really done that. He got a haircut one time. <laughs> one. He got time. a haircut. He he got a haircut. That was his that was his new personality one time, and even that didn't stick. So, yeah. yeah. 
So I mean, I mean not, I, nothing personal, but Dolph, uh, I, yeah, he needs to. Are we sure? Yeah, we're sure he's coming back. Is that the deal now? He's gonna. He's, that, he's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought I said he was gonna get a comedy. To be honest with you. Well, again, I'm not gonna lie. I wouldn't exactly miss him if he didn't come back because it's nothing personal. I'm just you know I'm over it. Well, here's the thing too. It's like I'm looking at it like this. It's like if I don't have to worry about seeing Dolph Ziggler. That's more time I can invest in watching like Ricochet and Aleister Black and yeah. other guys I really like. And yeah, it's again, like you said, it's nothing. I don't hate the guy. It's just like it's been a long time since I've cared. And if I don't care, why am I going to get invested in anything you do? I've been that way with Dolph for many years, and uh, I've been that way with Randy Orton for many years, which yes. gets a lot of people mad. <laughs> or and yeah, or is it very divisive in that way? Like either people really, really, really care about the guy, or like me and him cared for like a decade. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's why I think AJ Styles is one of the biggest winners of the Superstar Shakeup because he got his win at WrestleMania and then he got the fuck away from Randy. <laughs> he Orton. got away from Randy Orton. He got his win over Randy Orton. He got the fuck out. God bless you, AJ. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So, I mean, you know, good for him, man. I, mean, I was yeah, not looking forward to rematches. Like, I didn't think their match was, was bad at Mania. I thought it was actually good, but I thought it really lacked something. It was probably I, better than I thought it was. I, I mean, I, I didn't really care for it. Uh, it just kind of drugged for me. But, I, I mean, I might have missed something there. And I know that the, the live crowd missed something because the lights made unable to watch a match. Yeah, but but for me, it's like Randy gets in that box and he doesn't like venturing out of it very often. Yeah, they were in that box. And just wants to work his match. And I mean, to a point, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's kind of disappointing when you're in there with AJ. It's like you could do so much more and you don't. You know, it's kind (laughs) of like people used to talk about Dory Funk Jr. that way. Like, Dory Funk Jr. always wrestled the same style. He always wrestled the same match. That's what they always said about him, which was a contrast from his brother, Terry Funk, who was all over the page. Very much so. How about dropping some Funk Brothers in this podcast? I like it. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, Viceland has been doing the Dark Side of the Ring series. And I know you want to talk about this, Steve. Where yeah. Two episodes deep so far. They did one on Randy Savage and Miss Elizabeth. And then they did one on the topic that will not die. <laughs> the Montreal Screwjob. Indeed. And, uh, I'm actually so, three episodes deep because I saw the third episode, the Bruiser Birdie one. Oh, yeah, that's right. They put that one out on YouTube, I think, right? Yeah, it's on, it was on YouTube. And it's also on the, I can tell you that it's on the Spectrum on demand. Like if you go if you go into the Viceland section they had on there. So. Ah. And it might be, you might, yeah, you guys check it out, guys, out there. If uh, if you have Spectrum or if you have some other on-demand service, it, it might be out there for you if you haven't watched it on YouTube. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to see it. I have it a friend you. that hasn't, so, I, yeah, and you haven't. So, I mean, not everybody's seen it. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, take a look. So, the Randy Savage, Miss Elizabeth one, what would you think? Well, uh, that was kind of the weakest one for me so far, to be honest with you. Um it almost seemed like they were trying to downplay. Like, you know how we're always told how Randy was so protective of Elizabeth and, you know, this and that and the other thing? It kind of, it seemed like they're trying to make excuses for that. 
Like uh, they're trying to say, well, you know, he wasn't such a bad guy. It was though, you know, you had like Bruce Pritchard working. You had some guys working. The most interesting part to me was with uh, Linda Hogan. You remember Linda? <laughs> oh yeah. The like that stuff was kind of new to me. So I, I got some interest in, interest in that, but uh, and the, they didn't really get it. They went to the Lex stuff a little bit, which uh, ugh, a bad time. But uh, it's a good uh, the good story get out there. I thought it was kind of weakest one I've seen so far. To be honest with you. Yeah, I didn't think it was bad. I kind of agree with you. It felt like they were kind of trying to. They're sugarcoating things. I guess. Yeah, I guess they were trying not to bury Randy, which yeah. I mean that's admirable and everything. Sticky all the dead, yeah. But if you're gonna, if you're doing like a documentary, and you're trying to tell the story, I mean, you kind of just got to tell the story. You can have somebody on the other side saying Randy Savage is a freaking piece of work. (laughs) Yeah, and then, you know, like you said, they touched on the Lex stuff a little bit, and I mean that's that's not exactly like, you know, clean living there and good time so i mean yeah just um i don't know it's like if you're gonna do it do it you know what okay my one of my favorite stories from this like okay jake roberts tells a story about how (laughs) after he slapped okay after jake roberts slaps elizabeth you know this tuesday in texas we all remember that we all saw that it's fantastic after he slapped elizabeth he tells a story about how elizabeth's parents wouldn't let the macho man in their house because he couldn't protect his old lady <laughs> uh, he he goes on to explain about how they are true believers. They believe this wrestling stuff, which leads to the question: If, if they're true believers, they believe that wrestling is hundred percent real. Why did they let her marry that guy in the first place? He's a psychopath, right? This is very true. <laughs> why did they go along in the first place? If they, if they think wrestling's real, then why would they? Oh yeah, marry that guy, the guy that's a raving lunatic on television. That's a good idea. My absolute favorite Jake Roberts, Randy Savage story is when he tells like the full story he did on Joe Rogan's podcast about <laughs> the Cobra. Oh, oh and he's yes. sitting there and he's, you know, cause they're going to do the angle where Jake has the Cobra bite Randy Savage's arm. He's tied in the ropes and they're backstage <laughs> talking about it. And Randy Savage comes back uh, and he's asking him about the Cobra. And he's like, you know, is, uh, is it fixed? Is it taking yeah, care yeah. of? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, you know, Savage doesn't believe me. He's like, he's like, I want the snake to bite you. <laughs> and Jake Roberts is like, what? Yeah. He's like, I want the snake to bite you. He's like, so J- Jake Roberts is telling the story. And he's like, all right. So he's like, you know, I pull up my pant leg and get the cobra out. And I piss it off a little bit. And he bites me in the leg. And he goes, and Randy's sitting over there. He goes, don't get up. Don't go anywhere. Don't take any potions or antibiotics. <laughs> you know, he's like. And he's just like going off. He's like, you know, don't fucking move. And so Jake's like, I'm sitting there with this goddamn snake on my leg. And and after about 20 minutes, Randy's like, yeah, he's like, I guess it's okay. We'll be good to go. And he left. Yeah. 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 And, then, <laughs> and, and Jake, then later on, Jake made sure that Randy, that the cover got good bite on Randy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a little receipt. <laughs> yeah, when they got in the ring, he's like, I, he's like, I slapped the shit out of that thing and pissed it off. <laughs> really good <laughs> but yeah it's like oh god I, I heard him tell that story on the rogan podcast and was just dying he's like he's like don't take any potions or <laughs> i'm sure that's how he said it too i know but yeah it's just uh 
good stuff. Yeah, but like I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought, a little weak, like you said. I again, I just think if you're gonna do it, do it. And if some parts aren't exactly, you know, peaches and cream, so fucking be it. As as long as you're not intentionally setting out to bury a dude that's dead. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, if you're telling the story and you have people talking about, you know, firsthand accounts and stuff, I think it's fine. Sure. But that's just me. But yeah. Then, of course, we had the second episode of the Montreal Screwjob, which I know we've all heard 10,000 times, right? We've all heard that, seen there, seen it, done it, watched the movie, all that stuff. Wrestling Shatters. We, we've all seen it a thousand times. I was a little pleasantly surprised because I had heard bad things. But uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of getting it. They had Brett there. Um, Jim Cornette, I mean, Cornette is in his element on the show, honey. He? he was in his element telling the stories. Doing what he does. This is where Jim Cornette is at his best. Well, that's because just Jimmy's such, you know, whether you like his takes on current wrestling or not, yeah. the one thing you can never dispute with Cornette is that he's a fucking great historian. He is. And he's, <laughs> he's also a great storyteller in regards to recounting history. It's just like um, some of the shoot stuff he did with like ROH in the past. Like when he's up in his fucking attic of all of his collectibles yes. and shit. Yeah. Oh, that's stuff like that. It's just such a good time. But yeah, he was in his element. I thought Brett was really good too. Yeah. Because I thought Brett was, I thought Brett came off well for the fact that he could have been a bitter bitch about it. He, he was at one point. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the point I, where he's not now. Yeah, and, you know, so it's like he went in there and he just kind of told his story and I thought he came off well. But, yeah, yeah, Cornette was really good. The only thing I didn't, for the most part, I didn't like, you know, I didn't like that they were redoing Montreal again because, like, it just seems like we've heard it a million times. Yeah, I mean, and and maybe maybe to the newer audience, because we forget sometimes, this happened 22 years ago. Yeah. Which makes us really fucking old. But yeah. uh, and, and I'm sure Viceland's trying to reach out to a younger audience. And there, there, there are people out there that haven't heard this story time and time again. There are some wrestling fans out there, I'm sure, that haven't heard the story time and time again. So I think it's nice to get it out there for those people. Yeah, and in, in that regard, I think it's fine. But uh, the other thing is, is like, it, towards the end, it kind of turned into a weird, like, Vince Russo, Jim Cornette shoot interview. <laughs> That was the their credits was their their Cornette and Russo dueling promo, and I guess they and the way Russo kind of spun it was they only called him I guess because Jim Cornette talked about him. I guess I. Uh, who knows? Uh, those two uh, they might be in it together for all I know. They might yeah. be in on that together. They're, it's a work too, just like the Montreal Screwjob was a work, and I liked how they had the different viewpoints on it. I mean, Sean wasn't on there, but I mean, Sean wasn't really. The story we've always heard was Sean was really involved anyway. Like, he was just doing what he was told to do. And I believe that. Man, well, I mean, we, you think Sean was just told to do it, right? Probably. I mean, I mean. Triple H has spun it to be where, where Triple H was a big say-so in it, which might be Triple H trying to put himself over. Who knows? I, I think what cracked me up the most was fucking Scott Hall. He <laughs> thinks it's a work. Yeah. He thinks it's a work. He's a He's like, you know, and that, well, it's not even that he thinks it's a work. It's the fact that he's like, 
I've never talked to Sean about He's this. never talked to Sean about it. You talked to Sean about the <laughs> shit you talked this morning. Seriously. Come on, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, no, I mean, Scott Hall is like, if you were to do the conspiracy theorist thing and everything, Scott Hall had good points. Because he's like, you know, he's like, look at Brett's face. He's not shocked. He's like, look, he goes, he spits the big lug on Vince's face. He goes, cameraman goes tight. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's Hollywood right there. I like that they had the different viewpoints on there, which I thought if you're going to do the story, they had the, it's kind of a balanced viewpoint, which I appreciate. Uh, I think Bruce Pritchard was most mad about it because he wasn't told. <laughs> they didn't let him on it. That, that's why he was mad because they didn't tell him about it. <laughs> and uh, so you had Russo there. So good. I thought it was, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I know Dave Meltzer was not very happy about it. Like, I just, hear, man? I don't know. I just, all I know is, it's like, I watched it. I thought it was fine. I just, I don't want to keep reliving it. You know? Oh, one more thing. You're Earl Hedner. You had Earl Hedner on there. He told his little story about, and it's a little different story now. Apparently now, Brett uh, took him to first class is the story now. He bought first class plane ticket for him is, is what, what he's telling us now. And then, uh, okay, he tells his story on the show. Then later on, I see this little headline on 411 the other sites like, well, Earl Hedner thinks Bret Hart was, on, was in on it now. This is just Earl trying to get the attention, right? Well, I mean, think about it, dude. He, I, I love how he talks <laughs> about, like, my life has been hell for the last 20 years because of this. Says the dude that was selling I Screwed Bret t-shirts. Yes, yeah. I mean, as bad as he felt about screwing Bret, he didn't mind trying to make a buck off it, that's for sure. But that has got him fired from WWE in the first place. Trying to make a buck off. That of was, uh, I think him and Dave were selling bootleg shit. Bootleg shirts on the side. So I think it might be a bigger problem as far as Earl Hebner goes. He tried to. He had the whole sob story on the uh, on the Dark Side of the Ring show, and I, and it also puts over like okay, he's been miserable for the past 15, 20 years, and he's been working for TNA most that time, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> and I th- and I'm pretty sure that the time span where he said he was miserable for was uh, when he got fired from WWE. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, but I, it just cracked me up. He's like, I felt so bad, and all I could think of was like, dude, I went to shows where you were wearing the I screwed Brett shirt. He come out them. before the show. He he'd like do the DX crotch chop and yeah. Well, that so. he would like a lot of the shows. He would come out to brett's music and wearing sunglasses and shit and then like doing like the little brett pose the little fonzie a pose you know and like what the fuck dude it's like don't don't tell me you felt bad yeah he did not feel bad yeah he feels bad now did you go to this i know since you live in the area did you go to his uwf shows that they did yes you went to this where he was doing his shit he was wrestling amber o'neill for no fucking oh my god it's terrible I saw yeah. it. I saw it later on. Oh, t- terrible! Brett. That was actually the UWF shows with Hermie Sadler and TNA. Um, <laughs> went to some of those, and that was actually how the podcast with me and the wife started. Oh, really? Yeah, we went to one of those shows, and then we came home that night. Uh, we had dinner. We had taken her little brother, and uh, who's Jesus Christ? Who's not so little now because he's oh, fucking. Sure. Married and in the Navy and shit. Jesus nice. Christ. But uh, yeah, so um, we came home that night and I bought a voice recorder. And uh, we sat there and uh, we, we 
record podcasts using that. And she's busting my balls during it because I had my laptop on in the background. <laughs> and like it's like five minutes in and somebody starts messaging me on AOL. Oh, so you hear the in the background. Yeah. So you go, really fucking professional, Larry. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like I'm getting buried on my own show, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've probably gotten used to that over years, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh pretty much. Yeah, but yeah, I remember specifically a match with Amber and you'll fucking creepy as shit, man. Ugh. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, that was the intergender. You know, there there's the uh, the tolerable intergender and then there's the, the creepy intergender and Earl Hebner versus Amber O'Neill was creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I remember we um the show we went to was like Sanjay Dutt and Amber O'Neill team and I forget who they're facing, but yeah, it's uh yeah, all kind of they they were actually from some fun shows. I have I actually have a ton of them on DVD that I got sent to me. Oh, they're they're fine shows overall, and you had the you had the announcer who was the most redneck person I've ever heard. <laughs> their play by play guy was the most redneck sounding person ever. <laughs> I don't know where they found that guy. Well, I'm sure down the road probably. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. <laughs> like I, I laughed at like the one show we went to. We get off the exit, and I was like, "This is the most pro wrestling exit ever." And Christy's like, why? I'm like, Waffle House, right? There's like, there's a Waffle House, a Cracker Barrel, Ooh. a Lowe's, and a Home Depot. Yeah, that's where you get the tables. <laughs> I'm like, we get are. <laughs> I'm like, they are set for action. I mean, before and after, you know, get all your supplies, fuel up afterwards. But yeah, it was just, I just cracked up because obviously, since I'm a pro wrestling geek, that's how I think of things. I see the wall floss and the cracker barrel and the, oh, the yeah. weapon store. So, <laughs> <laughs> ah, good times. But, uh, Steve Cook, I know you wanted to talk a little, little old school. You wanted to talk about a certain individual, and, uh, I will let you take the lead. Well, I wanted to mention because I saw on the Twitter machine our, our good friend, uh, Ryan Bowman. You remember Ryan Bowman from back in the day? Yeah. Former writer. I think he still does some things. Uh, uh the grill position. Grill position yeah. The gorillaposition.com. There's a free plug. Anyway, he did, he mentioned on Twitter, he, he does a lot of the historical stuff. He mentions things. And uh, it turns out that today, April 20th, uh, 2019, the 20th anniversary of, well, many things, but also the passing of uh, Ravishing Rick Ruda. And uh, people uh, who uh, know me well, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, uh, Ravishing Rick Ruda, one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. Uh, my first action figure, Larry. Uh, my, the first one I got before I got the before I got the ring for Christmas, the first action figure I got was Ravishing Recruit. I was, I always liked the heels for some reason. I got the Ravishing Recruit action figure, the Ted DiBiase wrestling buddy. Uh, forever was that's what my mom always got me. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was a big Rick Rude fan. The course thing disappears from WWF goes to WCW. I imagine get in time for some of that, and even better honestly, WCW had a great run there. Uh, top heel. I mean, he he won the big gold belt one time. Should have been Dice W champion. I don't know what happened there. Uh, you know, things go astray. And unfortunately, he has to retire you know, after a match in Japan with Sting. Breaks his back. Finishes the match, but still has to retire. Does some managerial stuff. Early DX. Does the early D- DX thing. Goes to the NWO of Kurt Hennig. Uh, getting ready for a comeback. Passes away. Um, there's been different innuendo about what happened, uh, different overdoses or whatever. But uh, so, Larry, I wanted to ask you, man, the man, 
Mano a mano. Uh, what's your favorite Ravishing Rick Rude wrestling memory? Uh, I I really liked the WCW run because the WWF stuff was good, but I thought that just the, the overall tone of the WCW run fit him way better. Yeah, I yeah. liked. A, I just I enjoyed a lot of his work there, and uh, kind of like secondary low key thing. I liked the uh, the angle he did in ECW. Oh yeah, yeah. Where he was uh he was in and he you know they were teasing that he was gonna you know get involved there and stuff and which led to one of the most historical uh aspects of wrestling history appearing on uh three different company shows within <laughs> a couple days of each other. Well, he's in he's on two company shows the same night of course, and the ECW show aired that weekend. Yeah, so I mean that's that's one thing that uh you know, it's really hard to do. Like the only, the only thing comparable these days are, um, oh, not necessarily competing companies because a lot of them are cool with each other. But like this year, like there was a there was a week where Pentagon was on Lucha Underground and then he was on Impact and MLW all in the same week. Mm. You know, so it's like it's you have a couple guys like him and Sammy Callahan that can do that, but. Obviously, when the Rick Rude thing happened, it was just unheard of, and you know nobody could have saw that coming. Oh, that's great, and that's great because on uh, they t- they had taped the Raw the week before. He had, he had like the full beard, uh, introducing Degeneration next. <laughs> and then the NWO, like I think it's like right after it's like nine o'clock, or whatever. They they bring him out, and he's got the mustache. <laughs> he shaved off the beard, and he's got the mustache. He's cutting the promo in, on in favor of Brett the Hitman Hart, who uh, I know that that's the reason that he left IDF pretty much was uh, due to the Montreal Screwjob, because he thought that Brett got done wrong. So he was actually one of the guys that stood up for him and uh, got the stepping. Which, yeah, I mean, a lot of the guys talked about it. They were upset about what happened to Brett, but uh, Rick was one of the few guys who actually did something. Yeah, there was a lot of talk, but not a lot of action after yeah, that. Yeah, Rick was one of the few guys who acted. And I, yeah, Brett was very thankful for that, too. Yeah. Interesting stuff there. But, uh, yeah, I, you go back to the WDF run, of course, you had the Ultimate Warrior matches. Now, <laughs> Rudy got the, Rudy could get something out of the Warrior, though. Yeah, he was one of the few guys. Yeah, uh, that's why. And yeah, and, uh, yeah, I mostly remember Dice W run. He had some great matches with Sting. He was one of those guys uh, early in Dustin Rhodes' career, kind of helped build Dustin Rhodes up. I remember the feud over the U.S. title that Rick Rude stole the U.S. title belt from Dustin Rhodes. And we were talking about the whole belt stealing angle earlier with the ROH title, not the New Japan titles, not the ROH titles. But I remember Rick Rude telling us that possession was nine tenths of the law. That's right. So obviously Rick Rude is United States champion. Dustin <clears throat> Rhodes was not. So good stuff there. And uh, I remember right when, he's, right when he had to retire, they were building up the smash for, for Slambury with Rick Rude versus Vader, which was two heels going at it. It seemed like Rick Rude is about to turn babyface. He did a couple of promos where it seemed like he was going to go that way. And I've always wondered what Ravishing Rick Rude have been like as a babyface. Yeah, that would have been uh, that would have been cool to see. It's uh, yeah, it's it's always a shame when you have to play what ifs because we just don't know. But I, funny, funny aside is my uh, my mom loved Rick Rude. 
I'm sure she did. Being a being a red blood woman, I'm sure she loved Rick Riordan. <laughs> yeah, to the point that um, you know, I used to like my brother. My big Christmas gift every year was usually like wrestling magazine subscriptions. Yeah, you know, and there was a uh, one year where he had like a basically like the centerfold of a WWF magazine. My mom literally said, "You know, that's mine, right?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tremendous. she. she she was all about them washboard abs. <laughs> oh, damn right. You know what? Maybe that's why my mom got me a Rick Rude action figure. Come to think of it. Maybe. And but, she might uh, like Teddy Biasi because of the money aspect, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, yeah, underrated Rick Rude. An underrated Rick Rude uh, run was uh, him and uh, Manny Fernandez in the NWA. Oh, uh, yeah. What were they? What did they call it? Was, what did they come out to? What was their song? Smooth Operator. They, they also came out to We Will Rock You, too. Ah. What's smooth? Well, he came out smooth operator somewhere. Is it Memphis? Might be, yeah. It might have been Memphis. I remember the if you have the wrestling gold DVD set, there's a lot of early Rick Root in Memphis where yes. he was greener than goose shit. Let's be honest. <laughs> he was he in the was. process of learning, and that's why he was there to wrestle Jerry Lawler. That's that's what you did down Memphis. You get there to get better, and that's what he did. I remember the angle with uh, him and Jerry Lawler with Rude's uh, valet slash girlfriend at the time, Angel. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, you remember that? Did you see that? I'm, you probably saw it at some point. I have this set. I just I don't remember it offhand. I just remember this. I remember it because okay, Rude and Lawler have the match, and Rude uh, wins due to the interference of Jim Neidhart. Uh, Neidhart is also part of the stable. Jimmy Hart, Angel, all these people. And uh, they do their after-match shenanigans. Memphis always had after-match shenanigans. That's what the, every Memphis match, there's always crazy stuff going on, going on after the bell. And it ends up with uh, Jerry Lawler, and Angel ends up in the ring with him. And Jerry Lawler, he smacks Angel. He, he punches her down, and the fans go crazy. It's like an ECW crowd cheering a woman being beaten. But it's Jerry Lawler, so I guess, you know, Jerry Lawler, he could hit anybody and they'd be okay with it. That was one of the one of the great pops in Memphis history. <laughs> yeah, they they love the king, man. <laughs> they did, but the, yeah, I mean, and Rude was very green at that point. But that's where that's where he learned, and he got better each place that he went. He really did, and that's one of the things. That's like, it's always weird watching like early early Jake Roberts because he is just this like gangly thin motherfucker. Yeah. And wearing the sweatpants or yeah. <laughs> hey, you can kind of see there's something there. <laughs> All I can think of yet. him is like, it's like uh, whenever you hear about people making fun of any guys, like get some fucking gear, kid. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is up with those pants? <laughs> yeah. That's just how you start, man. <laughs> I know, but yeah. Not everybody uh, pops out of the box wearing $10,000 robes. Well, this is true. It'd be a better world if we did though. Cause everybody would look good. Really? What did Lex Luger do that? Yeah, yeah, Lex. Lex had some robes back in the day. Lex had that robe that went through several different people. Yeah. Like Lex had it, and then Terry Taylor had it, and then Rick Rude, and then uh, no, Bobby Rude had it. <laughs> I don't know where he went much. after that. I mean, Bobby might have sold somebody else. I don't know. Somebody might be wearing it on the Indies right now. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. That's like Raven's gimmick. It's like get a ring jacket or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It does help. I mean. Uh, Good entrance attire always helps. Rick Root always had those. Root always had those robes. They weren't as yeah. fancy as uh, they weren't as fancy or ornate as Rick Flair's were. But for uh, for say, I mean, it was all about Rick Root taking off the robe. 
you would have to dress the crowd down, tell them to shut their mouths while he takes his robe off and shows the ladies what the sexiest man alive looks like. Yeah, but then he always had the cool airbrush tights, too. Ah, oh, some great tights. The, the Cheryl Roberts tights, man. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to Jake, bringing that back around. Jake had to yank those off because otherwise nobody would believe it. <laughs> if Jake Roberts was in the building, he had to do that. Otherwise, what the hell? Nowadays, it doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> you can do it now. It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't matter. But back in the day when, you know, people were expected to have reactions to things. Yeah. Yeah, that was definitely a, a good time. A lot, a lot of good Rick Rude memories. That's a, that's a guy that, you know, I, I think a lot of people could, could really should take a look at if you don't know a lot about his career. I always put over guys like, I think a lot of guys should be studied or like, Eddie Gilbert. Sure. Especially if you're a small dude and, you know, you want to learn how to maximize what a small heel can do. And like, it would be great for a heel. If you're going to, if you're going to be a heel, study Rick Rude. Yeah. If you're like a, like a normal sized or regular heel. Yeah. Eddie's more your smaller heel guy. And then like, I always say that like, like I always suggested like, you know, for big cast, it's like, they should lock him in a room. Because he was a big guy and he had athletic ability. Yeah. Lock this motherfucker in a room and bring up every bit of Barry Wyndham footage you have. Mm. Because, you know, Barry was a big, tall dude. He knew how to use his size. You know, Barry wasn't overly athletic, but he was athletic enough, obviously, for wrestling, you know? And he's not, like, kipping up and doing all kind of wacky, like, flippy dives. Yeah, which you don't need to do at that size. Exactly. You should be doing that size, honestly. Yeah. But Barry knew how to use his size and knew how to command and just things like that. So I just, yeah, Eddie Gilbert, Barry Windham, Terry Funk, Rick Rude, all dudes that should be studied all day long. Because you, you brought up Terry Funk earlier. It's just yeah. a great example of somebody that adapted themselves. Because you look through the 70s and 80s, this was a guy who he worked the North American style. He learned the Japan style. And then he started mixing stuff together. You know, he had that like late '90s uh, resurgence with the feud with Flair. Being the hardcore legend. Yeah, and then he goes to ECW and he's fucking doing like wonky moon salts and shit. Is <laughs> it Smoky Mountain? Uh, Smoky Mountain moonsaulting on the chairs and Cornette's <laughs> like, "Terry, what are you doing?" And Terry's like, "I'm a fucking idiot." <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it's pretty much. <laughs> so. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there are certain guys that I feel should be studied. But uh, to kind of close things out, Steve Cook, I kind of we're gonna you know kind of look look to something you wrote this week. Yeah. And this is a point that I've made and I talked about a little bit. But uh, basically, you wrote a column over at the Chair Shot. A little free plug for that. Chairshot.com. Uh, Our good friend Greg DeMarco runs that sh- runs that shop over there. I do some stuff there as well. There you go. So uh, there you go, Greg. And uh, but yeah, basically you're talking about um, if WWE talents won out, why not let them go? Why not let them go? And it's weird. Anytime anybody like uh, you know, we've seen it recently with Ty Dillinger. We've seen it with Dean Ambrose. We've seen it more recently with the likes of Luke Harper and Sasha Banks. Which I don't even know what's going on with Sasha Banks. I mean, I don't mean <laughs> I don't know what's going on there. Don't even ask me. But uh, if she apparently she wants out. And I know Luke Harper wants out, and Ambrose is on his way out. 
And I don't get the fans that just kind of sit there and be like, oh, my God, you have to stay. You have to be there forever and entertain us and blah, blah, blah. Just, you know. And I'm not really bashing WWE in the article because I know they're doing a lot of good things. I know they're making a lot of money. I know their stock price is doing well. I mean, ratings are what they are. YouTube views are fine, whatever. They're never going to make all their employees happy. No matter how many spots they make in Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, there's never going to be enough spots for all the people they hire, especially since they try to hire everybody under the moon. You've noticed, they, they, I think they've offered to anybody who's ever stepped in the ring. Larry, did they, did they make you an offer yet? Uh, no, no, I, I was waiting for it. I think the leg thing slowed it down. Yeah. Although, they, although they might have gone Johnny after Ace, the, if oh, Johnny Ace gets yeah. back in power, I may get a phone call. But then they might call a wrong one-legged wrestler. That might be a God problem there damn for it, you. I know. Yeah, I know. I'm not a bitch. Oh, I knew that's where we're going there. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not everybody's going to be happy. You're not gonna. You're not gonna make everybody happy. Uh, as far as Luke Harper goes, I don't know why he's not doing things. I remember he had a great match with Randy Orton on pay per view. It was a couple years back. The the, yeah, the WrestleMania before, because it looked like they were gonna add him to the Randy Orton Bray Wyatt match. And God, instead, that match needed something, but not what they yeah. gave it. <laughs> instead, they added special effects and. A sperm on the ramp and worms one in the ring. One of the ranking. worst matches ever. I'm sorry. One of the worst oh, yeah. of all time. <laughs> so, terrible stuff there. They should have had Luke Harbour. And, and the match he had Randy Orton that pay-per-view before was a great match. Yep. So, I don't know why what they saw there. They made him think, oh, better take him out. Which they did. They took him out of the picture. And eventually, he pops out with the Bludgeon Brothers of Rowan. And... Uh, <laughs> they both they both go away for a while. He goes on the shelf, and then Daniel Bryan needs Rowan to be a sidekick. And I thought they were letting the Luke Harper come back for that, but apparently not. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And then he just uh, that they're airing those uh, Worlds Collide matches from Access. He took he, on he, Dominic Dijakovic. Yeah, yeah, they had a really good match. That was a lot of fun. So obviously, you know, Harper still has some get up and go. Hell, yeah. even that Andre Battle Royal, he had a little get up and go. And you, you saw the crowd pop for when him and Braun Strowman stood face to face. Because like, they're yeah. like, yeah, we want to see this. This means going to get some good stuff. Even though Luke Harper's never on TV, people still think, oh, him and Braun Strowman, that could be cool. And then Braun Strowman kicks him while he's suplexing uh, poor, Al- poor Mustafa Ali. Oh, that poor bastard. I know. <laughs> that did not go well for him. <laughs> yeah, I sat there and I'm like, you know, it's like it it could have obviously been a lot worse. Like they landed pretty flat and safe, but it was he like still fuck. it's like the goddamn table. Well yeah, that's all I could think of. I was like, why? Like what well, yeah, why? <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that well, I mean the, they're saying like I guess they're waiting for him to come over and he never came over or whatever, but uh in any event, Luke Harper, a tremendously talented individual. And if if he's if they're not going to use him, why shouldn't he go somewhere else? And uh, Sasha uh, Sasha Banks, I think the deal is that Sasha. I mean, she's been used poorly. We all know this. The whole Bailey thing is uh, it's been a cluster. It's been a mess. They finally get the tag team titles, and it's all like. And now we're going to jump on the iconic thing again, which I know you're not an iconics fan. And the Iconics are very polarizing, much like Randy Orton in that you either really, really love the Iconics, you really, really, really hate the Iconics. 
And I know people on both sides of the fence. I think their act is fine. I think they're the drizzling shits once they step in a wrestling ring. And this is coming from somebody who I was a big Billy Kay fan and supporter. Yeah. You know, and when she was Jesse McKay watching her stuff and we're big fans, yeah. Yeah. And like I just I think I I, I think the best way happened. To me, well, yeah, she she works like she's a mentally challenged baby giraffe. She's it's like her, she used to be, that's for sure. I don't know what happened. Yeah, but it's like her she's like a, a puppy. You know when you see those dogs that are gonna grow up to be really big, but when they're puppies they have giant paws. Yeah. That's her in the ring. It's like her legs are like way too long for her body or something. And it's just like, yeah, it's like she's just so awkward and her footwork is bad. And... You remember people saying that about like Glenn Jacobs back in the day when he was Unabom in Smoky Mountain. When, you know, Sid Justice when he was green. Which, I mean, it's fine. They'll grow into it. They'll get better. But how long but has Billy like shelf she... life? <laughs> yeah, it's not like she's been wrestling for like two years. Though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Glenn Jacobs was wrestling for two years in green as goose shit back then. You know, yeah, she... Billy Kay's been wrestling for a bit longer. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I just, yeah, I the iconics whatever but I, yeah. I, and, and I, yeah their act is great so uh, i yeah. have no pr- I, but then i could understand why sasha would be upset when what up until they told her and bailey like oh you're gonna be his tag team champions you're gonna go to all the brands you're gonna wrestle raw and smackdown nxt they will send you to england why not that'll be fun and uh so they probably got excited about it then all of a sudden it's like at wrestling oh yeah you're just gonna job the iconics and well, not yeah. only that, apparently they were going to send Bailey SmackDown, so you'll be. Yeah, they were told at Mania it. that like you're <laughs> dropping the titles and the team's over. Yeah, you're dropping the titles and you're done as a team all at once. Okay, <laughs> how how are you expect them to react? <laughs> yeah, and I think again they just that was that that was such a bad move because they were a great call as first champions because they had all that history and stuff. Yeah. And then you put them together and they succeed. And even as poorly booked as they are, the fans still buy into them. Exactly. And the thing is, is like, you know, they should have went and done an NXT TV taping and worked like the Sky Pirates or something. Yeah. They yeah. should have went and worked, you know, a UK taping and faced somebody over there. You know, Piper Niven and Kaylee Ray. Yeah. Rare Ripley and somebody. Yeah, somebody. But it's just like, yeah, you had a lot of options over there. They just... They did the bare minimum because there was no real planning for it. There was. And now, to the point of, like, you talked about, you know, we're not going to... This isn't a bash WWE thing. But it's like, WWE has the ability that they don't have to let these people go because they have legal contracts on. And you're a business, and I understand that they're not... You know, like, when they wouldn't release Neville for the longest time. I understood because they don't want them going somewhere else. And becoming a commodity because they've looked over the past couple of years and they've seen Juice Robinson leave and become a star. They saw Cody leave and become a star and they don't want it to look like they're they're missing on talent. Number one, plus they don't want it out there that it's like a bad place to work, you know, so they would rather keep people there for now. And again, that's their legal right. It is a business after all. but. Again, if you got people that just don't want to be there, like the Dean Ambrose thing is just really interesting. It's just like, 
a lot of levels. Yeah. yeah, just decided I I don't want to resign. And it's when like his wife still works there. And I know. when his best friend who just came back from leukemia is trying to beg the guy to stick around. He's just like, no, peace out. <laughs> well, I think I, Jeremy made a good point. We were talking about like, you know, what is he going to do when he leaves? Like, is he going to go work some indie dates? You know, maybe a little AEW or something. Or what is he going to do? But is he going to do one of those things where he leaves for a year and then comes back? Because you know how when you leave and come back, WWE tends to treat you as a bigger star. Yep. So that was kind of Jeremy's theory behind it is that he may be leaving to do that, which not at all a horrible idea. And he's got miles and miles and miles of abuse on his body too. Yeah. So I mean, I would just take a year and refresh, maybe take a, take a trip to Europe or something and do what Sami Zayn did. Take a trip to Europe. Why not? Yeah. Do something. But yeah. So, yeah. but you got a guy like, you know, Ambrose, whether you like him or not, you have a top guy opting not to resign. Sasha Banks is one of the top women. You have her pissed off and, you know, apparently threatening to leave. You know, they've given her time to think about it. Um, and that's the thing is, like, to make a difference right now, you don't need your Ty Dillingers and Luke Harpers. Wanting uh, you, you need people that are perceived as stars to make some noise and one out. So, you know, Ambrose not resigning, I think that is pretty big because I think if everything was that hunky-dory, he would stay and be with his wife and make some good money, but apparently not. I mean, there's there's something going on there. Yeah. There's, the there's, Sasha there's, thing. There might be I mean, something else that we don't even know about. I mean, exactly. So then you got Sasha, who is understandably just upset and disenfranchised with a lot of things. And... You know, I, I, I like how all of a sudden, though, it's like, oh, well, you know, people were complaining that, like, Sasha and the other women weren't getting a fair shake because everything was about Ronda for a year. Yeah. And now Ronda's gone, and then Sasha basically feels lied to and is upset. Now it's like, well, she was never that good anyway. Of and, course, yeah. They, you know, yeah she's gonna, a crybaby. They're all going to throw her under the bus. Which I, right. And I love all the armchair psychologists out there who know all about Sasha Banks and what she is and what she isn't and how she feels about this and how she feels about that. I don't know. I don't know. The only thing I can say for Sasha Banks from what I see of her on television and the way she, the way she talks on the, the internet or whatever, I think she's the kind of person that's only happy if she's on top, which is not a bad thing. And that they, what they tell you, if you, that's what they tell you. If you're going to be successful in pro wrestling, you need to be uh, focused on being on top. You've heard that before. Yeah. You know what everybody a, says. If you don't want to be WWE champion, then why are you there? That's what everybody yeah. says. You have to have Sasha, a if she has a mentality ego. and they're pissed off about it. Yeah, you have to have a certain <laughs> amount of ego to succeed in the business, I think. Yeah, so I don't knock people for having egos. Yeah. <laughs> that's but the other get, thing, too, is it's like, if you look at it, I mean... From what we know, and again, we don't know everything, but it feels like I think she feels betrayed because it's like, you know, you're, you're going to be a top star and then it's it's all about Charlotte and then Rhonda and now Becky. And I'm sure she's happy for Becky and everything, but then it's like, we're going to team you up with your best friend. And they threw her a bone there, yeah. Yeah, and we're going to let you guys go to all the shows and defend the titles and really lock these titles in that you wanted. And then it's like, you know, they get them for like, what, a month or whatever? And it's like, yeah. 
you know, you're going to lose at Mania and we're going to break you up and you're done already. Yeah, I bet one thing if they're going to lose and then, you know, do the comeback, which I thought was what they were going to do. I thought they'd lose the titles and then do the comeback, which is what I thought they were doing. But no, they're just going to split them up. <laughs> so, well, which makes me wonder what kind of plans they have for these women tag team championships anyway. Because once you get past Jack the iconics and yeah, and Nia Jax is out with her, her double knee injury or whatever. So what's left? Beth Phoenix and Natalia? <laughs> I guess we, I mean, you have Oscar and Kyrie Zane now. Okay, yes. Yeah, you got Oscar and Kyrie now. So you got, you got I, Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonya. There you go. Okay, so that's something. So that's true. Yeah, I mean, there, there's up. a little bit. I mean, and you can you can put people together, obviously, but it's like, yeah, it just feels like that there's, especially after you break up Sasha and Bailey and take the titles, then it really feels like there's no direction. It's the Iconics, yeah. and I guess I guess they probably lose to Asuka and Kyrie, but I don't know. It's like, yeah. And Asuka, I guess Asuka's probably another one that they probably need to throw her bone, I'm sure, which is probably why they brought Kyrie over team with her. Yeah. And I, I talked about this on the last show with Jeremy. I think the uh, I think the whole pairing with Paige and then bringing Kyrie up, I think that's going to work really well because Paige can talk. Yep. You don't have to worry about people bitching about, I don't like the broken English stuff. Yeah. Oh, it is what it is. They're fucking Japanese. Deal with it. But the other thing is, too, is like, if you're going to bring Kyrie Zane up, pairing her with Asuka on screen also means they're going to travel together. Which yeah, means yeah. Oscar Oscar can help acclimate her to main roster life because in NXT you don't have to rent cars, you don't have to book hotels and all that stuff when you go on the road because they take care of that. So she can help her with all that stuff and get her used to everything. So I think it makes sense on a lot of levels. Plus, I mean, she kind of did feel like she had done everything in NXT and it worked well with how they wrote her off. You know, she lost a match, she doesn't get any more title shots, and so she's gone now. Yeah. Which yeah. Leaves, leaves things open for EO and Bianca Belair and others to step up. And so I think, yeah, I think it works well. But it'll be, I just, uh, I, I I hate putting it like this, but I say it all the time. I just, I hope they have something resembling a plan, but it doesn't feel like it. You, you, you hope so. And we like giving benefit of the doubt. I do feel like we were cheated that we did not get the Boston Hunt Connection versus Sky Pirates. We needed that match, man. Why that not? No. Why? Why not? Damn it. Seriously. And that's the thing, too. I was thinking that that, that was possible for... Because, like, in June, there's that, like, standalone takeover show. Yeah, that would have been great for it. Yeah, because that, that way it's like there's no main pay-per-view that weekend, but you add some main roster talent onto the show. And, you know, you bulk it up a little bit with that's that. That's San Jose, right? That's Bailey territory. Yeah. Bailey country. And Sasha's actually really over there, too, because oh, sure. yeah. San, San Jose was the um, – they're returning to San Jose because the year that they did um, the first WrestleMania weekend show that wasn't a takeover, that was the reason they ended up starting to do takeovers and stuff was because uh, Charlotte and Sasha – apparently fucking crushed it that night nice and they were over huge got like the biggest reactions of the night and then the company was like you know we could we could do this shit mania weekend and take away from some of the indie shows maybe and highlight our people and, and there whoever, you go 
Whoever made that decision to split Bailey and Sasha did not remember that. No, it wasn't their mind. No. So, but yeah, it's a, it's just disappointing. I think there was, you know, I used the phrase a lot. I thought there was a lot of meat left on the bone there, you know? Yep. I thought you could have done a lot more sky pirates. Again, like I said, NXT UK taping, you could have, you know, the, a couple of things you could have done. Like, like I think Piper Nevin and Kylie Ray would have been a fun yeah, pair yeah. for them to face or, you know, you could have put some stuff together. And yeah, you could have put Storm and Ripley together for shit, Shivan. Why not? Tag team partners that hate each other for one night. There, there you go. Johnny Saint trying to stir shit up. Yeah, that's just, right. Yeah, why not? But It'd just something. I just, I feel like that it, it sounded like they had a lot of good plans, and then they just didn't follow through with any of them. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah to back to the point. I mean, if Sasha wants to go, then why, why, why get mad about it? Yeah, I understand it. Uh, I mean, if she wants to leave, it's her decision, I think. And I don't know how long. I don't know how long your contract is. I don't know how long Luke Harper, Harper's contract is. But uh, I, I just let him go. I think. Yeah, and and my point is that like, if they're that miserable and they want out, even if you talk them into staying, what kind of effort are you really going to get if they're still there? Well, I mean. Well, what's you know what I mean? how how's the revival doing? By the way, have we had any updates on the revival situation? I they're just sticking around, I guess. Yeah, because they won they won ninety days to show that WWE cares about tag teams, and uh, well, we were we got the titles on Hawkins and Ryder, we got the Viking experience. Uh, I I don't know about all that. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't we got know. Chad Gable going to spec down off screen. Like... <laughs> yeah, who, who the fuck knows? It's again, you're looking at a company that has never truly valued tag team wrestling. I just, it's like yes, there have been great tag teams in the past, but yes. it's never been like a a big focal point. Even in the '80s, they went on last on the house shows because Hogan wanted to go home early. Yep. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, if you got people that want out while it's the company's right to keep them, I feel, you know, because, you know, to fulfill those contracts, I think you have to look at it like if you have someone like I think Sasha is supposed to have a contract to 2020. I think Harper's is up in November. You know, it's like, let's be realistic. Luke, Luke Harper's 39. He's coming off an injury. If he's not happy and he's done in November, just let him go. What are they going to do with him for the next few months? Exactly. Nothing. You know, Sa- <laughs> Sasha Banks, her contract, if her contract's up in well over a year, if you bring her back, is she really going to be that happy? I mean, I think you have to weigh all these things. It's like, how much is she worth to you? Is she selling merch? You know, I don't have like numbers in front of me, so I don't know. I assume she does pretty well from everything I've heard. Yeah, but it's yeah. like, is she going to be worth bringing back? Is she going to have a good attitude? Is she going to work hard? And if you come to the decision that it's going to be no, then maybe you just have to get to let her go. If if she has, let's say that there's 18 months left on her deal. I think you make a compromise and it's like, yeah, we'll let you go, but you're going to have more than a 90 day non-compete. Yeah. You know, but like, just, just get out of it if they're not happy. Move on because you have a fucking warehouse full of talent. You have two warehouses full of talent, I think. Yeah. <laughs> they so got a lot just, of people use. Yeah. 
Exactly. So it's, you know, it's not like they're running low on personnel. And if you got people that are truly, truly unhappy and it might not help your business at all, then why are you keeping them around? It's a very good question. One of which I do not have the answer to, but uh, yeah. So good times, Larry Zonka. I mean, I'm very, I'm very happy in my, with my position. Just so you know. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's good to know. But yeah, I, I am glad to have you back. I know we had a, we had a few shows without you there. Cause you've been super busy and yeah, that's yeah. okay. And we'll, like I said, we fit you in when you have time. I, well, I don't mind time. stepping aside for like, uh, yeah, for those guys. I don't mind stepping aside for those people. They're, they're good people. Yeah. So we, we have a lot of good people there. Yeah. We had some good stuff. And again, uh, you can follow the 411 on Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, and of course, the 411 site. And make sure you check out the whole podcasting network where we have the MMA Ground to Pound podcast and the 411 Interviews podcast where we've talked to. Such people as Rosa Mendez, Vince Russo, Eli Drake, uh, Tony Maglio from The Rap, and most recently, Lana. God, Lana. That's a big get right there. Yeah. So check those out and share them around and share our show around on social media as we would appreciate it. And Steve, take care and uh, happy wrestling, my friend. Happy wrestling. Uh